Hello and welcome to the Brave Business Podcast brought to you by the accounting, tax, audit and advisory firm Blick Rothenberg. Brave by name and brave by nature, this series is different. Aimed at entrepreneurial businesses, we focus on providing market updates, practical guidance, timely insights and professional opinions from industry experts, helping you make informed decisions for your business. I'm Declan Curry, journalist and broadcaster. The pandemic has changed the way we work. Hybrid working is here to stay. And for some businesses, that means global remote working. So we're going to talk about that today. My guests are Alan Tam, who's a global mobility partner at Blick Rothenberg. Mark Abs, who is a partner and head of the global mobility team at Blick Rothenberg. And Harvey Perkins, director of HRUX, a company which focuses on delivering technology solutions for clients with complex tax and related issues. So let's look at the challenges and the opportunities and how we make it function and how we make it uh, more productive as well. Alan, let's start with you. Uh, It's a safe assumption, isn't it, that uh, global remote working is here to stay? I think it's something that definitely will be here to stay. And I think what the pandemic lockdown has shown is that people can work remotely overseas. There's technology there to back it up. And actually, it's allowed companies to, for example, access talent that they wouldn't have the chance to access before. You've got really talented people based all over the world who then don't have to up sticks and move their family to go to another location to work. And that's been quite a positive from this pandemic. And from speaking to clients, they see this as the future. It's a, it's, it's a, a tool to retain people, to attract people. Now, if you go out to the recruitment market, it's, it's challenging to say to somebody, we expect you to work for us, but to be office-based, for example, 100% of the time, or, or, or to not have that ability to, to work remotely overseas. So companies are embracing the flexibility that it offers Mm. and the opportunities that come from. They are, and it does depend on the industry as well, because obviously there's some industries like construction and oil and gas where naturally you have to have people there to actually do the job. But for example, high-tech industries, um, financial professional services industries, yes, absolutely. Uh, Mark Abs, there are benefits to this, but it has to be managed properly. You have to have the right processes. Uh, What are the risks? If I just focus on the the risks we see, there's obviously lots of risks around corporate risks and culture being changed by the various remote working um, and the connectivity between colleagues, that type of stuff. But the risks from a regulatory compliance perspective, um, really three three areas. And, and this is only where someone is working remotely outside of their home country. So that's where they may be a UK employee, but they may be a uh, they may be working from their villa in Greece doing their UK job remotely. So the three areas are, um, there is the tax for the individual, but there's also tax and um, payroll and social security type obligations for the UK-based employer. We've seen a number of examples where that employee in Greece, for example, has tripped up and created an establishment in Greece by accident for their employer. Um, so there's a, a lot of different types of tax-related risks, um, which is where we tend to focus. But equally, someone working in another country may be picking up legal obligations for their employer. There may be employment rights that they accrue by accident or by intent that their employer may have to satisfy. Um, 
And also, you may not have the legal right to work in that other country. So in our example of Greece, if that employee, the UK employee, is a Greek national, well, that won't be an issue. He's allowed to work in his home country. But if it's another nationality, maybe outside the EU, like a Brit, who just wants to work from Greece, which is very nice, as Alan says, it's got lots of perks, mm. um, that's a real problem because there are rules and regulations, as we all know, on where you're allowed to work and where you're not allowed to work and for how long. So, um, yeah, there's lots of traps, definitely. So it's not just as simple as a company saying, work where you want. No, and, you know, you, you have to break it down. Early on in the pandemic, we had lots of employers say to us, what do we do? Um, we've got a workforce that has decided to work all over the place, all over the world. Um, and I think it's a question of breaking it into bite-sized chunks because just to say you can't work overseas, actually, it's, it's, you're not allowed to do that anymore. You won't get away with it because talent will walk. Um, so it depends on the length of time. So if someone's in Greece for only a couple of weeks while they're on holiday, it's probably not going to cause too many issues. But if they want to turn it into a more permanent structural arrangement, then I think you've got to think about it in a lot more care. Um, and then the other way of filtering, not just length of time, but the seniority. So the CEO who decides to work overseas may cause more issues than a junior or someone in administration that may not have an integral role um, in that organization. So um, there are lots of risks, but I think one of the ways to start thinking about it is to break it down into more bite-sized chunks. We've used this word trap, T-R-A-P, several mm. times now, and it's not by accident. It actually stands for something. What do the letters mean? Yes, yeah, so T is for tracking. R is for risks, A is for action, and P is for policy and processes. Excellent. Let's bring in Harvey Perkins at this uh, point, because you can talk about the T in traps, and that uh, is uh, tracking. Your company, HRUX, what does that mean? So it stands for Human Resources User Experience, um, and our focus is on developing technology that supports employers um, around managing their employees, specifically tax and immigration. So obviously tax is complicated, um, but tax across borders um, is doubly so. Um, and from a process perspective, you need to know where people are, you need to know why they're there, um, and you need to be able to track all of the tax and immigration issues arising as a consequence. And this is where the tracking comes in. It's, it's the ability to know where employees are and prove that that's where they were. It's so, yes, um, it is where the tracking comes in. But um, I think it's also important to be careful around the concept of tracking employees. There are obviously, obviously data protection issues involved in tracking employees. Um, so we're more focused around, so we will use, for instance, mobile devices, telephones, that sort of thing, um, to tell the employee where they were, to help them report where they were, but not so much taking that information directly because of the implications from a data risk perspective. Obviously, it comes down to what individual employers want to achieve and what individual employees are willing to accept. Um, but you tend to get quite a lot of pushback when you talk to an employer about tracking its workforce. Uh, but of course, that employer has a massive vested interest in being able to complete its compliance obligations. So it's a double-edged sword, making sure you know where people are without infringing their rights. Because when the word tracking came into the conversation, my first thought was some sort of 
corporate corporate spying effectively to look at workers productivity and whether they are actually working when they say they are that's not what you're talking about it's not what i'm talking about so typically an employee would um, be required as part of the process to tell us where they were um, and what the system will do, what our system will do is help them do that. So it will pre-populate an international calendar, for instance, which they can then submit to their employer or to their, their advisor in order to provide that underlying information. But it remains the employee's obligation to do that, and we would simply facilitate. It's a small part of a big process because there's also a lot of data collection um, in order to drive the right tax and immigration outcome. And, Alan, that's where it becomes relevant to an organization such as yours and the advice that you give to your clients mm -hmm. is the tax implications of people uh, working abroad. Yeah, no, that's absolutely correct. And in order to give that advice and to, to take that proactive action, we, you know, organizations need to know where their employees are. So, that you know, it's, it's not around spying on their employees, it's actually enabling them to, giving them the tool to take that proactive action to actually, you know, put things in place and, and to minimize that risk. When you talk to your clients about the, the pitfalls mm. that they could fall into, mm. what are they? I'd actually broadly put them into probably around four key themes around pitfalls. So the first one actually links back to what Harvey just said around tracking and how long they're spending in that country. And it also links back to what Mark said earlier, because it's easier when you've got somebody globally remote working for say two years in the location, because you probably know that that person will likely be taxable in that location. But I'll ask the question, what about um, people who are who are in a country for short periods of time, you know, 60 days, 30 days, but that all adds up. And once they get over a threshold, if you're not tracking them properly, you create un, un, unintended tax and social security consequences. So that's the first theme is, is just having that awareness to track and understand what those obligations are on the back of it. The second one and is, is quite an interesting one. It's just a general lack of awareness and just communication within within the company now i i actually had a round table with a couple of clients this morning and that was the key theme that came up the pitfall that they all seem to fall into is actually uh, the hr team might be very very good at understanding that this person's gone getting the right work permits in place but actually they perhaps haven't communicated with their finance or tax teams and that in itself could create payroll, you know, obligations, permanent establishment operation um, and considerations for the company. So the key theme was to have that communication so that they can then get to that process early enough to take any corrective action. The the, the third and fourth ones, I think the, the, the pitfalls are a, a bit more granular. So I, I've had a lot of conversation with clients where they say, well, I've got people working overseas, but We've got no entity over there, so it's okay. We don't have to do anything. They need to sort themselves out. They need to file their own returns, but that's not always the case. You know, they could there could still be employer obligations. So it's 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 a wrong assumption to make. And and the final one is a lot of companies are actually saying, well, I'm just going to make them self-employed contractors. You know, because they'll they'll be on their own. They'll do their own thing. But again, there'll be rules to catch them out, especially if they're working for that for that employer exclusively and effectively regarded as an employee. So those are are, are the key pitfalls and themes that i'm seeing i was just going to add um to both what harvey and alan were saying on the tracking and it's very easy to use outlook to count how many days we're in a country and we're only really interested at the country level or where it's a, a federal system like switzerland or the us or cantonial um what we don't really care is which building that individual went 
into or were they in somewhere they didn't want people to know about so it's very much at the the country level and it's not very lineal unfortunately so you may count the number of days you're in a country not just for income tax but you may have to count it in a different way for social security taxes you may have a different way to count it for immigration purposes and all these different um, you know tracking seems very very simple in concept but it's hugely hugely complicated when you add in all the different sets of rules and that's just one country and then you've got to add the country you're from or where the country you're in and our favorite um, globally remote workers are those that may spend some time in Greece for half a year and then they go to France and, th and they're picking up a footprint in all of these different countries. And again, you've got to track that in all these different ways. The responsibility for doing this lies where? You mentioned companies sort of effectively letting employees just get on with what it is they want to do where they want to do it. That doesn't absolve companies of the responsibility does it? no it doesn't i mean you know it, if there are any employer obligations whether it's immigration whether it's tax social security they will lie firmly with the employer and you know there's nothing worse than if they if they are unaware no action is taken and the revenue the revenue authorities catch up with them there'll be fines there'll be penalties but actually think about the reputational risk especially if you've got senior people ceos cfos board level people who are in those countries who aren't paying tax you know do companies really want that advertise in public around around those compliance failures so companies that haven't thought about this what should they be doing thinking about it i saw two phases and and i think we're in the second phase now declan which is during the pandemic everything was very reactionary um, and that's understandable we were all globally we were locked down in a very quick space of time and People ran and they went to different countries. They stayed with relatives or they went to a country of their choice or they stayed at home. And there was a huge displacement of, of employees. Um, and for the first year or so, we were talking to organizations about reacting. Um, we found these employees in this country. What do we do? What are our employer obligations? We understand that we are on the hook for an awful lot of the reporting. Um, and it's not just the compliance obligations that the employer is responsible for. We've had a number of clients say, well, if we don't allow the employee to work where they would like, we will lose them. And then we all know right now the great resignation um, phenomena. You don't want to lose your talent. So phase one was very much about reacting. Phase two, and this was coming out of the pandemic and seeing a lot more now where an employer is actually thinking, ah, I think I can make a real advantage of this. Why do I need to move that employee from uh, Taiwan with this you know, very specialist skill to the UK? Um, why, do we, why don't we actually think about this and do it strategically? So instead of reacting, doing it in a very proactive way, I've got an example. One organization um, had a global workforce of maybe 40 people. It's a, it's a life science company, and the chief medical officer, who is the brains, the, the, the heart of a company like this, was actually, they found him in a small village in Stockholm, or just outside of Stockholm. Um, his children were at school age, and his wife had her own career, so there was no way that he was going to relocate to join the UK company. 
So we understood the rules, um, managed the pitfalls we've been talking about, and put in an employment structure around this individual that, that managed both the Swedish and the UK rules. Um, their chief operating officer was in Hamburg, uh, CFO was in New York, and so on. And last year, they floated on NASDAQ for a billion valuation, having only started the organization about two years before. So they were able to scale and grow globally very, very quickly by using, instead of reacting to it being a negative, to very much about, well, actually, if we do this right, we can have a global workforce that's very, very agile. We just wonder, uh, Harvey, whether the instinctive easy thing for companies when considering their process might be to say, no, we've got this standard, this set of rules, this process, this is how we've always done it. Everyone else has to fit around that. What we've been discussing here is a totally different approach to it, which is almost like a process to fit the individual, depending on the circumstance. Now, are we able to be that flexible now because of the technology? Is that where this is going? So yes, we are able to be flexible, um, but less, you know, so the swan is gliding across the lake, but underneath things are going to be moving quite quickly in order to facilitate that. Um, while Mark was talking, I was thinking about the income tax, the social security, the immigration and the PE issues arising from that example. And there's a great deal of work to be done to make that swan float across the lake. And that's where the technology comes in. Um, so as I said before, it's much more than tracking. Um, you're going to be filing in several different jurisdictions. Um, you're going to need different information. So sometimes it's the same information. Sometimes it's different information in each of those jurisdictions. All of that information has to be brought together and then disseminated correctly. Um, and then on top of that sits the policy layer where you look at all of that and you say, okay, well, this is what we need to do. This is this is how we're going to set up the policies in order to support those individuals. So it's it's hugely complicated in order to achieve um, what is a very desirable business outcome. What's nice about the technology is you asked earlier, Declan, about whose problem is this? Where, you know, who's trying to fix this? What's really helpful for an employer if, if in a very simple way, they've got a map of the world laid out with little characters which show where all their remote workers actually are. And it then puts it into context because it's, Along with tracking, it's also knowing where people are. We 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 all hear stories where I've just found out um, that my employee was in this country or that country, and I hadn't appreciated that. So the technology is it's not only helping the individual collate all that complex information, but it's also providing their employer with a more of a dashboard on and, and an oversight globally of where where people are. It gives them more context. Hello. And just given the current world circumstance, just having that that awareness and that data at, at your fingertips just also helps to manage to know where your employees are. If they have to move them quickly from one location to another because of local issues, then that enables them to happen. So it gives them that sense of security and also data security as well. You know, you, you know, you don't want the, to run the risk of your employee, for example, logging in from a hotel room doing work there. Yes, there's tax and social security issues. But what about data security and data protection issues? of accessing that through like a hotel server where, where, where they're currently based. Mark, if these processes aren't in place already within your organization, what sort of problems are you looking at? What issues are you storing up that really are going to come back and bite you? There's lots. I'll just try and give examples 
ultimately, if you get this wrong, an employee is going to be unhappy and will walk because they may say, you as an employer have got a duty of care and you haven't done the right thing by me. You haven't advised me. Um, this is very complex. I haven't got access to the right advisors. If the compliance goes wrong, then you would look at the the various rules on the rule that you broke. So if it's tax, tax is often you get interest and penalties. Um, in some countries, if you aren't compliant, you'll get a mark against your name and you're then always under the radar of that particular authority. Um, with immigration, if you're not getting those rules in the UK, as an example, you might have your sponsorship license taken away if you've got um, people working here that you're not aware of. It hits you in different ways. So it is worth getting in place. Um, and as I said earlier, if you can try and do it in a proactive way, you're moving out of crisis into, you know what, this is actually a good thing and I can attract more people to my organization. I can grow quicker by having that process in place. Where, within, if you consider the different strata of the, uh, the workforce in larger companies, is this just something that affects the senior executive level, maybe middle management? Or is this something that runs all the way through the organization from the, the highest to the lowest? Um, there are slight nuances in the rules, but broadly, governments don't mind who pays the tax, what their job title is, as long as they are paying the correct amount and their, their fair share. So um, when I started in tax, I think there was a lot more differentiation in how an organization would support their their workforce so the senior executives would get the red carpet treatment they would get access to the best advisors um, and the rest of us would just be told exactly like it or not but turn up at the call center here yes that's quite uncommon to see now though um most organizations have a feel that they have a corporate responsibility they want to do the right thing in society, the right thing with community. And that also extends to not having a layer that says VIPs, you know, you, you, you will look after you, mate. But um, the juniors or the less important in the eyes of the company. But an organization can't apply that even if they wanted to, because you've got to pay your tax regardless of your job title. Um, you know, if, if you've broken your visa, if you're not allowed to work there, it doesn't matter whether you're the CEO or the mailman or boy or girl. Um, it gets all of us. And that's the idea. Tax is very fair in one sense. You know, we, 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 we all get caught. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's some nuances, Declan, but um, it's, it's not politically so sound nowadays to, to treat employees in a different way. Uh, though it's fair to say you've got to have that villa in Greece before <laughs> you can go and work in that villa in Greece. Yeah. So then again, we know of large organizations where um, employers thought that uh, their staff were in the suburbs of London. And it turns out they're in Devon or they're in Yorkshire or they're mm. in East Anglia or in, uh, in Dorset. Yeah, and, and that's why, just to reiterate what Mark and Harvey said, having those controls and processes in place is important because you need to know where your employees are. And, you know, there are, are nuances, but in terms of employees, it, it applies to everyone. Because if you look at the global remote working and who that applies to, look look at the, the IT industry, the fintech industry. I mean, the brightest, the best are probably the young sparks who have come out of university, who are now used to hybrid working arrangement. Those are the ones you need to keep an eye on equally as much as the senior executives who have their villa in Greece or Spain. 
just picking up on your point, and we, we've talked about tracking a lot. And my interpretation of your question, Declan, is what do you do about those employees that are rogue or maybe are doing something you weren't aware of? Or just thought it wasn't any of your business. Yes, exactly. Um, or didn't appreciate that they couldn't. So what's very important, and we have, we're, again, we're, organizations are learning on the, off, on the hoof at the moment, and they're building a catalog of rules and regulations in each organization. So we've started writing remote working policies, which tries to pull out of, in, these various issues, and it will say, what is the role and responsibility of the employee? So if you do decide to go and work in your villa in you know, Cape Town, and we thought you were in Devon, then these are the consequences. But at least if you've got a set of rules, then an employee knows what to work towards. Um, and the rogue, if they do decide to deviate from those, then you've got the usual um, escalation. So the tracking has to go in with support for the employee with a policy, with a letter and internal communication to let people know the rules. I've been waiting for Harvey to tell me that Milton Keynes is the place where we should all be working. Um, <laughs> there is an argument, yes, if you like concrete cows. We've been talking a lot there about the things companies must do and must think about. Let's not lose sight of the sort of the, the, the big picture here, which is that for many companies and for many workers, globally remote working is a great opportunity. And Mark, in terms of how uh, companies are identifying the upsides, what's in their thinking? I think they start with what talent do they need where? And we all know there's a war for talent at the moment. The great resignation, again, is is making that war very difficult to fight. And I think an awful lot of organizations realize those that the, who are best at attracting, retaining talent are going to win and they will grow quicker and they will achieve their business objectives. One of the ways we're talking to clients about this is I, I almost call it a talent compass. So in the center of that compass, you've got local employees. And that's always going to be the case. You need a local workforce. You need someone who's the heart, the headquarters, and so on. But unlike in the past, we don't have to put everything focused on a massive headquarters where everyone moves to that place. And that's the that's the mecca of everything. Um, on the north, east, south, and west parts of the compass, you've now got traditional expatriate assignments where you might move someone from a country to another country to fulfill a gap. in, the, um, And that's a traditional way of growing talent. You've also, I've seen a, a, a much bigger increase in international commuters. We're seeing a lot of Americans, for instance, coming over to the UK two weeks off, two weeks on. And these are senior executives who it just seems maybe it's easier to do the commuting. That's another way of filling your talent. You've got the traditional business travelers, those that travel for short trips. And now the, the, the world is opening up again. Again, we are seeing a lot more of the business travel. And the final point of that compass is the internationally remote workers. And we've talked about that a lot. But if you, as an organization, if you're combining those different ways of securing your talent, and it could be in any different types of combination, and it will be driven by your own corporate strategy 
Um, so, you know, how do, pe how do organizations go about this? Um, I think th those will be the much stronger organizations by using, you know, globally remote working as a real positive. So, Alan, just draw all this together for us. You know, what have we learned about TRAP? Yeah, so in terms of tracking, um, I think the, the key thing, the key takeaway is just knowing where your employees are because on the back of that, whether, you, whether it's technology-enabled data that comes to you in terms of where your employees are, that actually enables you to take a lot, lot of decisions at an early stage. For risk and managing risk, it's all around, I think, the key takeaway is education and uh, communicating within the company, understanding the, those risks early on, whether it's immigration, tax, corporate tax, social security, and, and taking that action, which leads on to the, um, the third point, which is on action, in that having where, you know, it's like it's a case of the chicken and the egg again, whether you have um, the tracking or the, you know, to understand the risk, it, overall enables you to take that proactive action you you, you can act because the earlier you take the action you can actually stop any penalties fines you know and any issues overseas with the with the revenue authorities it just allows you to take the early action on and, and to and to just to manage to manage that more effectively in terms of policy and process i think it's just having those controls in, in place i think what i've seen plenty of times is where there is no policy that's when exceptions are being made people are business lines taking their own different decisions and that's when costs and everything else starts to um, become a challenge. Alan thank you very much so such a, a stimulating discussion I want to thank Alan Tam, Mark Abs, and Harvey Perkins to keep up with the developments insight and news and for further information on the topic of globally remote working then visit our Globally Remote Working Hub at www.blickrothenburg.com slash GRW. I'm Declan Curry. This has been the Blick Rothenburg Brave Business Podcast. Thank you so much for being part of our conversation.